listening to the first episode of this brand new podcast called The Music That Speaks. My name is Michael Rosen, and I am your host and creator. First, I'd like to play for you a piano arrangement of an orchestral piece. It is one of my favorite pieces and one of my earliest classical music memories. It is the main theme, or technically the exposition proper, of Edward Elgar's Enigma Variations on an original theme specifically the ninth variation, called Nimrod. So what you've just heard, for the most part, is most of the movement of this this ninth variation. Because uh, remember, this isn't e- even movement is not such a great word. This technically isn't like a traditional movement, like of a symphony. This isn't really a symphony. It's more like an orchestral suite, where there's multiple shorter movements or multiple mini miniatures. Um, and this is a great example of just simple variation, theme and variation. This whole thing is the is called the variations on an enigma. This whole part that I played really captures the trailer, or so to speak, the the whole general mood, the the uh, the uh, abstract of this of this whole mo- of this variation. Um, but I will continue to play, and I'll continue the the ending. This very there's uh, the the hammering of the four chord, and then this ending that um, is great, and it works. I love this, like I said, I love this piece. I have one of my early loves and first loves in classical music. I was never a big fan of how that ending was handled. However, until recent study, working, looking at this work and looking at um, um, other, uh, and looking at other resources for this work and reading about it, and especially reading more about how this, the influence that Beethoven had on this and that talk that he had with his dear friend Jaeger on Beethoven's slow movements, I now have a better understanding, more of appreciation for this slow movement. Um, the very refined, elegant English gentleman who wrote this very refined, elegant piece. Um, but what he includes at the ending is kind of a Beethovenian trademark. Um, and I'll explain a little more of that when we get there, when I when I play through it. But let me just pick up right from pick up from right. Excuse me, pick up right from where we left off. Uh, here's the first iteration of the theme. Um, proper kind of as we know it the main theme um, when the winds come in and brass so this is right when uh, the music starts after the strings only section
tension right now. The little thing I said that's always kind of sit, sit, sat uncomfortable with me about the ending is that loud to soft, where it's clipped. Not that it goes loud to soft, loud to soft, calm if expected. Okay, we have a big build, we come down, we started soft, we're going to end soft. Um, but where it's like in the middle of the phrase of the main motive, the one thing that doesn't change. Thank you. 
sketches of me with um, Unchained throughout each beginning, uh, first iteration of the tune. Um, you know, we just built the siege crescendo after that A flat minor chord. satisfactory approach would have been especially in a variation form when you're not in a typical A, B, A development section. We, we've just had A and an A1, A prime, A2, A3, you know, variations of A. So repeating that little nugget would have been, a, there's no reason to have that little uh, motive again. So, um, but I think it's just the interruption in the middle of the theme where it gets so loud and then soft. Um, but what's so very beautiful about that is that's so Beethovenian. Beethovenian is like, you never know when there's going to be that surprise moment when it goes between forte and piano. Sorry, what I mean is no, what I'm trying to say is no moment is safe from that surprise attack in Beethoven's music. He was known, and of course I like to credit him, I believe he is the master, but you know, this was also in trending at the time. Haydn did this. This was a, in the, into the classical joke and the wittiness of the classical era. You see this a lot, but Beethoven just took it to another level that it's almost like it's just, it's funny, it's witty, it's, it's, in a, um, it's a joke, sometimes it's sarcastic, um, where you'll have a slow movement like this, like the pathetique, like the slow movement in um, his fifth symphony. You know, it's soft, it's soft. And then the ending, bum, 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 bum. And then the last two chords are loud, bum, bum. And then that's the ending of the piece. Relating not really to much because it's a slow movement. It should end soft in part. It should, in quotes. Um, so Beethoven, for me, um, I mean, for most of the world, is the master at that. You know, the, the, the element of surprise in music is so cleverly used in Beethoven. Um, and it's almost, uh, it comes up in, ran, in uh, uncomfortable but um, unexpected places, specifically. You never know when it's going to be you know between loud and soft rarely ever rarely ever markings of mezzo piano and mezzo forte middle loud middle soft no he sticks either forte or soft you know that's that's a beethovenian trick that's a wonderful trick and one of many many reasons what makes his music so effective so this ending not that, that it's just a trick or necessarily surprising, maybe it's because we expected a big build and there's no sudden loud or sudden soft, but just doing a funny thing where you have the phrase build up to the loudest point here, 
and there's great first inversion chords, which another reason what makes this piece so impactful and powerful is the use of such first inversion chords. chooses the forte to implode, the loudness to come down, um, is unexpected. It's in the middle of that phrase. And of course it still works beautifully. Um, this was a, a piano reduction of this piece, which in my biased opinion is always inferior to the orchestral, whether it's written for piano or written for orchestra first, something played by an orchestra is just always staggeringly awe-inspiring, goosebumps covered, so please listen to this. It is quoted in so many things, even in recent movies. There's still the trend of using like the movie Dunkirk, which focuses on the Brits in World War II, um, the film score, which I love for that movie. But at the end, he doesn't. Hans Zimmer doesn't write an original tune. He takes this this Elgar piece and stretches it out. You can't. It's very. It's very. Only people who know the piece really well will pick up it. I pick up on it. I picked up it. Picked up on it in the movie theater. At the end, you know, when it's in the rescue and the Navy's coming in and. And I can tell, you know, even though it's stretched out, it's a real wash of sound. And it's what Hans is doing, the composer Hans Zimmer, and he's he's pulling it apart, the composer of the film score of Dunkirk, and stretching it out, but it's this piece. He, he quotes this scene, which is a great thing to quote for, for, for England, for the Allied forces. Um, it also appears in the movie Australia. Uh, came out ooh, about a decade ago, probably over a decade now, with uh, Nicole Kidman and um, Hugh Jackman. At the ending, it's great, you know, it's just an awesome appearance of it, but um, both very different appearances of it. Um, one is, you know, and one's an actual version, one's this as version that's a blur of it, let's say, in the Dunkirk movie, but um, it works, and that's why this piece works, because that's why you can have those moments of really long breaths, broadening, and get, or, or conduct it at a, a quicker tempo, not quick, but faster than some of the ones that really draw it out but it works either or because it's just this wash of sound um so thank you all so much for listening thanks for uh subscribing this is the podcast the music that speaks and i'll check back soon see you in a few weeks